Welcome to Uneducated, a podcast by Yafed, where we are speaking to yeshiva graduates, parents, policymakers, and other stakeholders about the lack of secular education in ultra-Orthodox and Hasidic yeshivas across New York. I am the executive director, Naftali Moster, and I thank you for tuning into this episode. Welcome to Yafed's Uneducated Podcast. I'm Hannah Miller, Yafed's Director of Community Engagement and Organizing. And today, I'm joined by a truly special guest and Yafed board member, Malki Schwartz. Malki was born and raised in a Chabad Lubavitch family in Brooklyn. In 2003, while attending Hunter College, she began an informal drop-in group to support individuals who, like her, sought to enter or explore the world beyond the insular ultra-Orthodox communities in which they were raised. This group, as many of you know, would grow to become Footsteps, the nonprofit organization that seeks to provide educational, vocational, professional, social, and legal support to those interested in entering or exploring the world beyond the ultra-Orthodox communities in which they were raised. Now, 20 years after leaving her community of origin, Malki is an attorney working at Hunter College, and she continues to care about the issues that affect people who leave, as well as those who choose to stay in insular religious communities of all faiths. We're honored to have Malki on Yafed's board of directors, and I'm thrilled to have her here on the podcast with me today. So Malki, thank you so much for joining me today on Yafed's Uneducated podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. So to begin, I want to ask you if you're willing to take us through the early days of Footsteps, um, just to kind of give us a sense of what the, the early days and maybe even the first year was like. Um, but first, I want to see if you, know, you would be willing to provide a brief explanation of what Footsteps is and describe what your role as founder and director looked like over the course of those early years at the helm. So as you described, Footsteps is an organization that really um, supports individuals who are trying to either enter or explore the world outside of the ultra-Orthodox um, community that they, in which they were raised. Um, and the early days of Footsteps, as you mentioned, um, the, the focus was really on providing more informal support through a support group. Um, actually, we called it a drop-in group because it was just people dropping in. Um, so once a month, um, a group would meet where um, people would gather and just talk about the issues that were on their mind. Um, and we had a social worker who would really facilitate the discussion. Um, and that really was the cornerstone of the philosophy of, of Footsteps, which was that once everyone gathered together and shared their personal experiences, we would have a shared understanding of what needed to be done to really um, assist people who were on this um, path. And it was incredible to see that people really had shared, you know, they shared some of their experiences around education and their their fears, their beliefs, their concerns, their hopes um, about where they were headed and where they came from. Um, and 
the idea was really that once people began focusing on an issue that we would figure out a way to to coalesce and, and bring some resources to address that issue. So it was really a grassroots effort um, that d didn't have a very clear um, plan or direction at, at its inception, but that was really um, the, the, the programming and the support that was created was really informed by what we were hearing from people in the room. I'd be curious to know what some of the first major issues or central issues were that came up um, that you decided were going to be some of the first things that this fledgling organization or this fledgling group would take on and how you went about making those determinations and how you went about setting and meeting some early goals around them. Early on, we wanted to provide both very practical support, but also um, create a community so that the initial programs really were centered on bringing people together. Um, unfortunately, there were so many people who were leaving, but there was no point where they could gather. Um, and so there was a bit of an informal network where you know people knew one or two other people who had left at some point um, or who were exploring. But there was no destination where everyone could come together and share their wisdom and support one another. So um, initially, that was really the, the goal, just to bring people together to support one another um, informally. Um, but there was also a sense that there were very practical issues that had to be addressed. And actually, education was one of them um, and, and the earliest really to be identified. Yeah, so we actually started a, um, a GED program early on where um, actually volunteers would work um, with individuals who are studying for their GED to really help them and um, help them prepare for the exam. We also had a professional instructor come in and lead some sessions that would also support students who were preparing for the GED. So there was some professional assistance um, and, pra again, practical support. Um, we also really made it a point to learn about a lot of the social service agencies in New York City um, so that we could provide a bit of a safety net to people who were trying to, who were making this transition and trying to leave um, in the case that they, that that's the decision they reached. So. It was, it was early on when we became very familiar with um, a number of organizations in New York and would really help direct people to those organizations and even help make the introductions when possible. Um, and the other practical areas where people needed support was really just in terms of supporting themselves. Um, the, you know, the cost of living in New York is, is not low. And so for a lot of people, just being able to support themselves while they pursued an education or while they tried to make some decisions about the future, their future, um, it was important that they have that, you know, a means to support themselves and also to really um, advance their goals. 
I'd love to help those in our audience who may not be as familiar with Footsteps understand just how truly groundbreaking its creation was and how really critical and life-saving this work was, is, and you know remains today. And to help people to understand the real and very vast needs of its community of members. So in order to provide some additional context and background for those listeners, for what you created and what grew under your leadership, can you speak to what services or support existed for those seeking to leave ultra-Orthodox and Hasidic communities before you started Footsteps? There was little recognition that this was actually a phenomenon. So there was no organization that ever broadcasted itself as you know being a resource to people who were seeking to enter or explore the world outside of the religious community in fact there were lots of messages to people who were either at the beginning or of of, of this process um to really scare them from pursuing their path so the idea that anyone who left would just be doomed to a fate of, I mean, the worst possible scenarios, drugs, sex, rock and roll. There were no examples of someone who left and led an independent and meaningful life. Um, and someone who you could point to and say, look, if I leave, you know, I can be, I can feel fulfilled like this person. In fact, everyone who people pointed to as an example of what would happen if someone left um, really just emphasized some of the dangers of leaving, um, or not really dangers of leaving, the dangers of the broader world. So it would be, you know, look, the one person who we heard of who might have left, you know, ended up doing or, 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 just really concluding that they didn't lead a meaningful life. But it was scary, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, The idea was that, you know, that that someone who left would face a very scary reality and a reality where um, they wouldn't be able to make the choices that individuals in in the broader society were able to make. So it was a pretty scary thing to leave. And it was scary because we didn't really have a network of other people who had made this transition. I tried to describe the experience of leaving um, and came up with this you know, analogy where there was a chocolate way of life and every decision that people made was really centered around chocolate. So it was like you wanted to wake up early in the morning to have chocolate that wasn't melted before it became really hot and you wanted to wear clothing that wasn't going to be um you know dirty become you know would have become dirty because of chocolate and and you know everything your diet your dress everything was centered around chocolate and and i guess it's like waking up one day to the reality that maybe there's actually this other thing called vanilla and And all of a sudden you have to adjust almost every aspect of your life to really fully explore that reality. And it really does shift your entire existence and to have no support while making, while, while being in that position is extremely difficult and can be very isolating. 
Um, of course. I, I, I can't even imagine. I think I, I wanted to, I guess, I think it's very, it's a very interesting, um, analogy, the chocolate vanilla, um, idea. And I think education of course plays such a huge role in all that when you go from, you know, not having access to a sec being denied a secular education to accessing either higher education or going about filling in the gaps in your kind of basic education, you suddenly start to realize more and more, not only is vanilla available if you want it, um, should you want to pursue that, there's, you know, strawberry, pistachio, a million other flavors. And it the combination of beginning to discover those things and explore those things and having social support and peers that you can turn to to kind of discuss those things and um, help you to kind of metabolize, digest all of that, that's, you know, that, that can be so much easier. But if you don't have the social support and you don't have the, you know, network of people who are, have either gone through that or are starting to go through it around the same time as you, it, I can only imagine how shocking it is to, you know, open your mind up to the flavors that are out there. So you really touched on the practical reality of individuals where they don't have the tools either to really engage in, in a meaningful exploration of these other flavors. Um, and can you speak to the, to the extent to which that really is deeply connected to the lack of even basic secular education in many cases provided in many ultra-Orthodox and Hasidic yeshivas? Yes. So when it comes to the issue of education, um, someone who wants to pursue a college degree doesn't have the tools to necessarily do that, um, right? They don't have a base. Some don't have, I should say, a basic secular education. So they don't have the degree to, you know, they don't have a high school diploma that you need to even demonstrate to apply to some college, to most colleges. They don't have the, the basic, you know, writing, reading, arithmetic, you know, skills that are required to begin a college education. So they don't have the very basic requirements um, and tools that um, are needed to to pursue that you know that new flavor. So they they don't have the tools to explore and to even begin to pursue their goals when it comes to an education. Um, lacking a very basic education doesn't just make it difficult to pursue the goal of a higher education. It also really impedes on on uh, on many of the goals that an individual might have, including the ability to be an informed citizen, the ability to socialize meaningfully with people who aren't like them, the um, the ability to be familiar with and adapt to norms of another society, um, the ability to participate in democracy and, and vote, you know, and, and participate in the political process. From your perspective, in the years since you started Footsteps in 2003, where do you feel progress has been achieved? 
um, within ultra-Orthodox communities in regards to certain issues and what kind of issues remain real sticking points, either for those who remain in these communities and or for those who choose to leave their communities of origin? There are a few areas where we could point to um, some progress. One is that there is a recognition that people leave insular ultra-Orthodox communities. Um, there's also a recognition that there are people who wish to explore the world outside of their insular religious community. Um, that recognition did not exist 20 years ago. Um, it's, it's just people do know other people who left. Um, almost, you know, I would say even the majority of people in insular insular ultra-Orthodox communities um, know of someone who left at this point. That wasn't the case either. So one remaining sticking point speaks to the mission of Yafet, which is that people who do leave still don't have the tools to, to leave in a way that, um, that is dignified. Right. And it doesn't require, like we were speaking about earlier, a tremendous, tremendous amount of effort to, to fill the massive educational gaps that they have when they, they first leave and try to, if not enter higher education, just try to perhaps, you know, get their GED. Or support themselves. Yes, or that. It's a very good point. And I think, I mean, there are many, many simple explanations and less simple explanations, but I, I'm curious to hear your explanation or at least your thoughts about why that is and why, you know, the issue that, you know, we at Yafet are so focused on um, of lack of secular education, Hasidic ultra-Orthodox yeshivas remains this very clear sticking point. So I think the reason that education remains a sticking point is because it has functioned a certain way for a long period of time and changing any status quo takes effort and time. Also, um, the way in which this issue could really be addressed requires a number of things to really work well. So it requires the political, um, the political incentive and desire to really make that change. Um, it would also, you know, I think it would be a very different situation if people in the community had the training to provide this broader um, and basic, well, this basic education to people in the community. So right now there's a whole, you know, there are, num there are lots of teachers, but those teachers don't have the training to provide a basic education. Um, and so just really the, you know, the idea of just delivering a certain level of education um, requires some you know, some real systemic changes. It also requires the community itself to really want that change. Um, so if the motivation is there, um, there is, you know, I think that that is a really important first step. And that is an important part of Yafed's work. Yafed is really bringing together people who have that motivation to make changes to um, to the education of people who are growing up um, in ultra-Orthodox communities. So really having people come, you know, mobilizing those people to come together 
um, to make that change is really important, um, both people who are within that community and people who are impacted by um, their lack of education in the community. I think, you know, it's it's tremendously difficult because of the gulf between the leadership of these communities and the average Hasidic person who is sending their child to yeshiva um, and may wish that their child was learning more English or English at all, period, if there isn't, you know, any secular instruction offered, um, or if the child is 13 plus, you know, they're receiving nothing. Um, there's such a difference between, I mean, not just in terms of the power dynamic, but just, I think one of the things that's so important for Yafed to be doing that we, you know, seek to do and seek to do more of um, to the extent possible is to feel, give people in the community who do want to see change in this area and do want to see improved educational standards in yeshivas, give them the feeling that they do have a voice, even if they really can't come out in a very public way in the community and speak out against what's going on, they can connect with us and, and you know, we can, if they're open to it, if others are open to it, connect them with other like-minded parents to give them a sense, give them the sense, and it's true, that they aren't alone in the way that they feel and they aren't the only ones that might want to see real change in this area and it's it's obviously that's that's a real starting point rather than you know a full solution but it, i think it's important um and i think you know in, in that same vein because of this power dynamic um and the real kind of tight control of all elements in many ways of life in the community by the leaders i think that it's incredibly important for those of us in the broader, you know, mainstream Jewish community to have a better understanding of not only this issue, but other tangentially connected issues that those either leaving or choosing to remain in these communities face. And so I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this question. Um, or what do you feel is the responsibility of the broader Jewish community when it comes to supporting their fellow Jews in Hasidic and ultra-Orthodox communities, not only those who are content with where they are, but also those who really wish for there to be real change in the ways I was just describing. So Hasidic parents who want to see improved educational standards, for example. Mm -hmm. What is their role? Or what is the role of the, the broader Jewish community? Around the issue of education, I think the broader Jewish community, I think the broader New York community really has an opportunity to ask why it is that ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities have, um, have not been providing an adequate education or basic education to students in the community. Um, I also think it's interesting to, to think about what the individual person could do to make a difference. And um, Yafet has really done a great job of educating the public about the fact that all students in New York are entitled to a basic education. And that it's really incumbent upon the public to demand that the law be enforced. And, um, you know, we have a powerful electorate in New York and, um, and some real political pressure would help significantly and make a dramatic change 
um, and impact the lives of so many people. Um, so yeah, I view this as as an you know a responsibility to utilize this this time to really reflect and um, take action to to change the status quo. We get a lot of responses from people or reactions from people in the Jewish community or the broader Jewish community who ask, aren't we concerned about this causing increased anti-Semitism? Aren't we concerned about, you know, fattening the flames of existing anti-Semitism, which is already on the rise, as we know? And I think um, this is always in direct response to our efforts to raise awareness about real critical issues in Hasidic and ultra-Orthodox communities. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts about how you would respond to this kind of criticism um, and explain the need for raising awareness about issues of legitimate concern, like the education issue. Yeah, so I don't mean to be flippant, but I when, when people say that, there are a few things that come to mind. One is, then, then fix it, you know? So rather than complain about the complaining, um, or the, you know, rather than complaining about the raising of awareness that is going on, um, do something and make sure that it's no longer an issue. Put, put us all out of business. Um, you know, make this a different, you know, just change the reality. So when people really voice concern about the work of, of Yafed, um, I think it's important to really say if there is concern about the the work of the of Yafed in terms of raising awareness, um, then eliminate the need, get rid of it, you know, fix the issue, and then there won't be this need to raise more awareness and air any dirty laundry. I mean, just clean the laundry. Um, Problem solved. Problem solved. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one um, one response. I also think it's interesting, I mean, two other things. One is to really think about what the definition of anti-Semitism is. And, you know, I don't have a very clear definition and I wouldn't even attempt to define it. But I do think one, one aspect of anti-Semitism is that there's a lack of um, appreciation for the dignity of another Jew um, or, or of, of Jews broadly. So when you think about what's going on and the fact that people can't, people, are, people don't have the resources they need to live independent and meaningful lives, that is a lack of dignity. And there is a real issue about the fact that that's being allowed, um, and that 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 really challenges um, the the notion that we could all just sit idly by as this continues, um, because we expect others to respect the dignity of the Jewish people, and we therefore must respect that dignity as well. Um, and the way in which you respect the dignity of another person is by making sure that they have the tools they need to live a, a dignified and independent life. Um, so that's another thing. I think it's also really interesting when you 
you know, I don't know if you've ever tried having this conversation with a group of Jews from various backgrounds, but it's always, really, yeah, but it's always really interesting too to ask people, what is it that unites the Jewish community? Like, what is the Jewish community? And sometimes when people speak about what unites the Jewish community, they talk about the value of education, which is so interesting to me because um, there's this pride that Jews, we value education, and yet we're willing to leave out a huge segment of the Jewish community and say, and, and, and ultimately what we're saying is that they don't really share that with us. And so, so then you really have to question, you know, what, what is it that unites all Jews, including ultra-Orthodox Jews? And um, I do, you know, I do think that there is an appreciation for education and oftentimes, um, you know, a, a Talmudic or religious education, but the, the idea that the Jewish community is, is that there are many members of the Jewish community who feel that education is such a driving force and a value that unites us, yet there's a segment of the Jewish community for which that is not the priority, um, is, is just really important. I was just curious to, to hear a little bit more, um, whatever you're willing to share about what brought you to Yafed um, and what it's been like for you to have, I, I presume, witnessed the birth and growth of Yafed from the very beginning. So this builds on the answer to your previous question. Um, Yafed has done incredible work at um, mobilizing a Jewish and New York community um, that is committed to making change in this area. And that is, is quite extraordinary. So while we talk about the need for greater responsibility, it's so important to really support the, the existing work within, um, you know, within the Yafed uh, community. Um, so the current work that's being done, um, I, I mean, it's such an honor to be a part of it um, it really just demonstrates that there are people willing to take this extremely seriously and put in the work that's needed to, to make a difference. So that is really why I'm a part of it because it's truly, um, just an honor to, to be a part of this important mission. Um, it's incredible to think about the the birth and growth of Yafed has been incredible to watch. Um, it's, it's really inspiring to think of the, the fact that Yafed started um, with an idea and a value and a mission and um, has mobilized now a very powerful coalition of people who are committed to making change. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Yafed's Uneducated podcast. It was wonderful to have this opportunity to speak with you. And I know that our audience is really going to enjoy listening to your insights and reflections, both as a, a founder of Footsteps and also as someone very passionately involved and committed to our issue um, as a Yafed board member. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And thank you for all the work you do on a daily basis to really advance the mission of Yafed. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to share this episode with friends and colleagues, and please visit our channel for additional episodes. To submit a comment, or if you would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at uneducated at Thank you.